the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This live program is sponsored by Tandem HR. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. While you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It's a live show. Indeed, we are surviving through the coronavirus. We're doing the live show from the beautiful studio here in Elk Grove Village. Call into the studio, 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600. And as you heard a moment ago, we are powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Give them a call, 630-928-0510, and check out their website, tandemhr.com. So I'm thrilled to kick off today's conversation um, with a fantastic subject matter expert on becoming a matrix leader. Today's top organizations, um, many of which you have heard of, such as PepsiCo, Disney, Microsoft, are turning to a matrix structure, leaving old hierarchies behind for a far more innovative and powerful model. I've been fascinated by this, and that's why I've got John Futterconnect, the president and co-founder of Optimum Associates. John, welcome to the program. Sean, it's great to be here. And let me just say, first thing, how impressed I am with how smoothly you just pronounced my last name. It's extremely rare. <laughs> I've been, I've been practicing. I've been practicing. Um, so, John, thank you for that. Um, so, the leadership structure at large organizations are, uh, are, are changing. Why is that? Um, yeah. So, Sean, you, you start to really see the trends probably going back you know, more than a decade, but particularly in the last 10 years, that virtually any large global business just figured out, you know, from a pure competitive standpoint, that having the old kind of old school, if you will, traditional siloed structures just didn't provide the kind of synergy, innovation, efficiencies, streamlining, and then ultimately aligned execution uh, that more nimble and agile organizations uh, were, were delivering. And so it really just kind of almost became a, a mandate, even though, and obviously that's the focus of the book, it's not easy, uh, but that there's so many business benefits from pivoting to this kind of integrated sort of interdependent model. And John, you have uh, successfully uh, completed over 500 one-on-one coaching engagements and facilitated uh, over a thousand training programs. Um, so you certainly know a thing or two about sort of how uh, a healthy and dynamic exchange of information should take place, but in a matrix organization, perhaps let's start with defining what is a matrix organization. Um, how do you foster that sort of that dialogue and that communication and that those healthy relationships? 
Yeah, you know, and that's where it, where it gets interesting fundamentally, right? And you asked a, a great question there. So in terms of the structure itself, it, it comes in many shapes and sizes. Shalom, there's some, you know, that you would call kind of the very formal matrix organizations that move the functional responsibilities into sensors of excellence and sort of functional support uh, and so forth. But many organizations also have what I'd call a more informal matrix. But essentially what's going to happen in any of those organizations is that um, – the, the business and the function support are being asked now to work interdependently. And what that means, um, and probably what's most impactful, is that decision-making now doesn't just rest with one or two people, but you have a number of stakeholders that are engaged that are a part of the decision-making process. And it's a process where oftentimes it's not clear who ultimately owns the decision. So it really asks for that level of collaboration, which means, you know, to your point of, you know, communication relationship building, Having trust, having transparency, um, allowing and being able to facilitate conversations that are both candid and direct, and there's a healthy exchange of ideas, but you're also balancing that with conviction and confidence, uh, really becomes uh, what will separate, you know, good leaders from great ones, because they can no longer just rely on position power, you know, or some kind of an org chart that, you know, the, the term often that gets used is influencing without authority, uh, collaborating across boundaries, that that. I mean, and if you want to boil it down, in many ways, it's kind of the quintessential challenge uh, for leaders that are working in these matrix structures. Absolutely. So, John, um, you and your uh, you and your colleague, your co-author, as we'll get into in a moment, um, wrote uh, Dr. Marty Seidman wrote a uh, wrote a new book called "Leading in the Global Matrix." I had the chance to uh, to read it. It is a fantastic read, and I know that uh, both of you. Uh, through Optimum Associates, you are equipping leaders to optimize performance. So you've talked a lot about um, leading in the global matrix. Um, so many of our listeners are in the small business world. They're entrepreneurs. Um, it's an interesting time right now to be an entrepreneur, and we'll talk more about that throughout the program. Um, but I'm curious how many of the lessons that you write about in your book and that we've sort of just started touching on, how it applies to a smaller organization as well. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And again, I think uh, the skills are absolutely transferable. And in certain ways, you could even argue are, are almost more important. Because if, if you look at the essence of the mindset transition, the skill sets that we talk about in the book, it's really just about becoming an excellent collaborator, an excellent influencer, and just an excellent team member. Um, so, you know, skills around building and maintaining trust, which, you know, intellectually, it's obvious, but in, in reality, is extremely fragile. You know, as I said, the, the ability to uh, corral and inspire in a small business, a group of folks to follow you, to, to balance a sense of you're empowered. You know, I want you to feel like you're owners of the company. And we often talk about that entrepreneurial mindset or that own it mindset that you want to foster uh, in a small business. Again, critical stuff. And, and I, I would say, uh, Shalom, ultimately to your listeners that, you know, there's a lot of concepts out there. And I, I use many of the buzzwords there, right? Entrepreneurial mindset, own it collaboration, but those are really ultimately abstract. And, and usually, you know, in rooms and boardrooms and so forth, everyone can agree, yeah, that, that's important stuff. But the real, to me, differentiator are those leaders, uh, and whether in small business or in large business, that actually can embody the, the self-awareness and the skill set and the mindset to do that successfully. So whether it's, you know, how effectively you're communicating in meetings to ensure there's inclusion and, and there's a good, healthy debate and discussion putting, you know, powerful ideas forward, being innovative, having that executive presence, equally important to, you know, be listening, to be cultivating relationships and understand what makes people tick uh, and, and how, you know, what drives their thinking and their ideas. 
So, you know, to me, again, whether you're in a small business or in a smaller business, this is really what the essence of the book is about. It's team collaboration, influence, and all of that without essentially a heavy hand or just being able to dictate. And we'll make sure our listeners know where they can uh, pick up a copy uh, of the book, Leading in the Global Matrix. So I'm chatting with John Fooder Connect, and I know you told my producer um, that uh, I could use uh, just John F., but I'm so proud of the ability uh, that I've uh, rehearsed now to uh, pronounce your full name. I'm just going to keep using it. Um, the big million-dollar question over here is uh, sort of that, uh, that trap that many leaders get stuck in. There's there's a trap in the gap between theory and practice. I think all leaders want to lead a certain way, but they get stuck in that in that gap um, between theory and practice. Why does that take place, and how do they get out of it? <laughs> yeah, boy, that's, uh, that's really you, you, you named it the million dollar question. So, and this is where you know, and again, I know we're on here to talk about the book. It really isn't me coming out as a salesperson, but I'd say it's the distinction between coming at leadership, you know, whether it's as an academic, you know, as an author that focuses on theory, and in fact, even somebody who teaches seminars, which I do, uh, versus spending most of your time as a coach. Uh, and in the end of the day, I would simplify and say the formula is, you know, it's great to know what the what is, right? So what are the leadership skills? And you can label them and name them and even define them. Uh, and that's all really great. But then as far as translating that into the right behaviors or the behavior change to lead effectively, you know, I would boil it down, you know, one self-awareness, right? We are all deeply ingrained, deeply habituated psychological beings that have habits, particularly interpersonal habits that, you know, especially affect this kind of topic, that if we don't start uh, with a really hard look at what are my tendencies, my biases, the ways that I tend to think and orient, because if you're not starting from that place, you're almost not going to have a chance. But then uh, self-awareness is only the beginning, as they say, right? Uh, knowing is, is half the battle. But then it becomes about cultivating the mindset. And you really see that with the matrix. Uh, Shalom, there's in leaders in business in general, there's a lot of what I like to affectionately call control specialists, uh, meeting leaders who, who like to be in control. They sometimes struggle. It's not as easy for them to, to let go, to engage in an interdependent uh, kind of ambiguous world and so forth. So you really have to intentionally mm-hmm cultivate the mindset that'll enable you then to, to lead in this way. And then ultimately it becomes about very specific skills and prescriptive behaviors, right? Right down to choice of words, where you sit in a meeting, you know, how you read people's body language, you know, I, I could go on, sure. but I would say often that's the gap. And I know you talk a lot more about about it in your book, uh, leading in the global matrix. So again, uh, John Fooder connect, uh, together with, uh, co-author, Dr. Marty Seidman. Um, It's a great read, Leading in the Global Matrix. Uh, John, how can people uh, find the book and uh, learn more about the work that you do? Um, Yeah, uh, probably all the traditional channels. So obviously on uh, on Amazon uh, would probably be the simplest, most direct way. Our publisher, Ben Bella, uh, if you're an organization and you wanted to, you know, get more copies, you can go there to get some discounts. But I think between those two, uh, and then obviously our website, OptimAssociates.com, um, we'll give you all the information. I appreciate you your time this evening, John Fooder Connect. Thanks for joining me on Get Down to Business. We'll be back in just a moment. More about small business jobs and entrepreneurship right after this quick break. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And for those of you that are watching on our live stream, you can see on my uh, on my sweater over here, I've got a uh, I voted sticker um, because I early voted. Very proud of that. And hopefully everybody, uh, even with the everything going on, 
And indeed, it, uh, people should take this very, very seriously. Wash your hands, um, practice social distancing and all that. But a good way to do this is to vote early. So there's still another chance uh, to do that. But I'm thrilled to have on my friend, um, Kim Neely Dubaclay, who is uh, now a commissioner on the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District, and she's running for re-election. We'd love to get into why she believes she should be re-elected for another Tim, another term. Kim, welcome to the program. Thank you, and it's so nice to talk to you, Shalom. It's been a while, but it's very nice to be on your show, so thank you for having me. It has been a while, and I've been following your tremendous work um, on the MWRD uh, Board of Commissioners, you've been doing a fantastic job protecting our waters, and that is so important. Uh, Kim, it's an Absolutely. interesting time right now, and I know that you now have a track record. Yeah, last time, um, I think we uh, we had you. You were you were running for your first term, and as now it's time yeah. as a candidate. So now it's time for reelection. So, Kim, um, for those of you that don't, uh, for those of our listeners that don't know you, let's talk a little bit about your background and how it led uh, to you coming onto the MWRD. Sure. So I am a native Chicagoan from the very far south side of Chicago, um, kind of just south of Hyde Park. I went to lab school for high school, went to University of Illinois for college, and then came back to Chicago and got my MBA from the University of Chicago. So I worked in corporate for a while for AT&T. I actually worked at the University of Chicago, and then I got appointed as a state representative. I served in in the General Assembly for a couple of years. And then I came back to Chicago to work for the Chicago Park District as their legislative and community affairs director. And uh, while there, I decided, after many years, to work to run for the Water Reclamation District for many regions, which we can get into. Um, so that's kind of, uh, in a nutshell, my, my background. Absolutely. And well, I am. <laughs> absolutely. So, Kim, over the past couple of years, you have, um, you have obviously been on the MWRD uh, Board of Commissioners, and you have been endorsed for re-election uh, by the Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Daily Herald. What are you most proud of um, in your work over the past uh, few years in uh, having accomplished? Thank you. So um, as a board member, we've accomplished quite a bit over the past few years. One, we just recently hired an inspector general, which is the first one, first time an inspector general has been um, over, has had oversight over the agency in its 130-year history. Um, I'm also the chairperson of the Stormwater Management Committee, so that's a huge accomplishment because we just updated our water, water management maintenance, watershed management ordinance, WMO, um, and uh, we just also passed an ethics ordinance. So we've, we've been quite busy. You indeed have yeah, been very like to- busy, and, <laughs> and you've been working, obviously, on protecting our environment, protecting the waters, and yes. uh, that that is mission critical um, in in the area, and that's why yes. you've you've received so many uh, fantastic endorsements for reelection from so many many prominent organizations. So tell Can us I a, talk little, a little bit about what please we do? let's yes. talk yes. about yes. it. Yes. Sure. So the Metropolitan Water Reclamation Dis- Agency is the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District is responsible for managing wastewater, managing stormwater, and protecting protecting the environment. So every time you flush the toilet, every time something goes down the sewer, everything something goes down the drain, we take that wastewater, stormwater, sewer water, and we process it to make sure that it does not end up back into our fresh water supply, 
which most of your listeners know is Lake Michigan. So we consider ourselves caretakers of the environment as we process wastewater. And I'd like to say that I, I consider myself an environmentalist. Um, while I was in Springfield as a state rep, I was able to caucus with the environment, Illinois Environmental Caucus and all the other environmental groups and voted with them 100% of the time, got an A-plus rating, and so I was also very instrumental in um, lobbying other um, of my colleagues to vote for environmental issues. So this is something that's very near and dear to me. So you've uh, only been in um, on the uh, MWRD Board of Commissioners for um, for a couple of years. If you are uh, fortunate to uh, be given the opportunity by voters to be reelected uh, to another term, what are some of the goals and some of the things that you hope to work on? And Kim, are you still with us? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Hey, what are some of your goals for the next term? Sure. So one of the things, I'm, well, there's several things. One of the things I'm very interested in, and I know there's a bill pending in Springfield that was in, that was that's been led by one of my colleagues, that for sure is a drug take back program. We want to make sure that prescription drugs don't get flushed down the toilet, which is a very bad idea for our environment. And it's incumbent upon upon us as commissioners to really get that word out to to give seniors other options for um, disposing of their of their prescription drugs. Um, the other thing is talking to young kids about STEM careers because that's that's primarily what we do at the district. And then finally, really just educating the public on climate change and, and little things that the public can do to address climate change. Such important issues, and the uh, the uh, the the drug uh, disposal is, is such a is such an important issue. And the MWRD is um, many people don't know this, but obviously uh, such a large um, real estate holder um, uh, across the area, um, but also such a yeah. uh, such a large employer. And uh, many many people don't know about the types of the types of jobs. Obviously, there are jobs at MWRD, um, but yeah, like you were saying yeah. about STEM, um, it's really mm-hmm. interesting because many people don't consider uh, opportunities um, like uh, like those that are that are offered at MWRD. And I know that you are very passionate about making uh, making those positions uh, available. And community is sort yeah. of your background, Kim, isn't it? You talked uh, in your brief intro about your work at the uh, Chicago Park District, connecting with the community. So let's talk uh, the MWRD. A lot of people don't even know what the MWRD necessarily stands for, what the MWRD does. Um, sure. How are you hoping yeah. to demystify that to, uh, to voters and to, and to the people that you serve? Yeah, very good question. So as much as possible, almost every day, I'm out in front of senior groups, working with aldermen, working with community organizers, working with local townships, when they have their monthly meetings, just to talk about all that we do to help mitigate flooding, to help with the environment, and any other, and to help with drug take-back programs. So we're out constantly meeting with the public to to um, let them know what we do and how important our work is. As you mentioned earlier, we're the second largest landowner in the county, um, and Cook County is the second largest county in the nation behind Los Angeles County. So um, we, we cover a lot of area. Um, we do a lot of good work, but people don't know what we do. So it's it's, um, it's been challenging but fun to get around the county to talk to all the different constituents about our work and how they can be aware of, of uh, the environment and environmental issues. 
Absolutely. And I know that uh, together with that uh, unique sort of role as being the second largest landowner in Cook County uh, comes the unique responsibility um, to uh, to set an example around uh, around the environment, uh, such as uh, uh, being a, a, a good example around uh, greenhouse emissions and, and so on. And I know that you are fighting every day to make sure that that happens. So, uh, Kim, we are just yes. about out of time, and I want to make sure that okay. our listeners know where they can find out more about your campaign and a little bit about well, your background. You. Yeah. Um, can you share a website? Sure. So my website is Kim, which is my name, Kim, the number four, water.com. That's Kim4water.com. Um, I am running for re-election. My punch number is 126. I'm actually running with the slate. Um, I'm running with Ken Davis, who is a former Great Lakes czar appointed by Barack Obama, and then there's myself, and then uh, another young lady named Ada Carlos Sepulveda. So our punch numbers are 125, 126, and 127. We call ourselves the Dream Team Water Team. You are indeed, because uh, you look at the Chicago Tribune, and those are the names that uh, that have been endorsed. And it's a crowded ballot, uh, but be sure to look out for Kim Neely Dubuclay on the ballot and vote for that Dream Team for Water. Uh, Kim, thanks yeah. for joining us on Get Down to Business. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, uh, we are going to get into the issue of the day uh, with my next guest after uh, after our next break. I'll be chatting with the CEO of Dorage, um, who is uh, providing some emergency relief for students um, around storage, um, which is what they do. But we're going to talk about the small business perspective of being a business owner uh, in this uh, strange and trying times of coronavirus. We are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, and we're very appreciative of our sponsors at Tandem HR. They are your solution center for everything around the Affordable Care Act, everything surrounding employment and HR best practices. You can give them a call, 630-928-0510, 630-928-0510. Give them a call and get on their website, tandemhr.com. They have a wealth of information, knowledge. You don't want to miss it. Check it out. Um, it's important to stay current with the regulations, tandemhr.com. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Chicago. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. You can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website, shalomkline.com. Hey, you're going to be home for a while, like many people that might be in education. Um, so you've got time in your hands. Listen to all of the hundreds of episodes of Get Down to Business. And we've, we've had thousands of guests on there, many fantastic small business owners like my very next guest, uh, the founder, CEO of uh, Dorage, uh, Sean Sedona, is joining me here in studio. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So it's an interesting time and uh, would love to sort of start with what uh, what you guys do and sort of how you're responding to it. So you... Um, you actually operate a business right, uh, right nearby over here, uh, near the station, uh, Dorage, which is storage at your door, storage yep. at your door. What does that mean? And what are you doing now in this age of coronavirus? Dorage is the modern alternative for storage. Instead of traditional storage facilities, everything's done online. You place your orders, you select what you want put into storage. And through our platform, it gets scheduled. We send teams out collect everything, inventory it, and then bring it back to secure warehouse facilities. We also provide local moving services and cross-country delivery services. Everything's booked through an online portal and allows you to do schedule changes, modifications. And it's just, a, like I said earlier, the modern alternative to storage and moving. Absolutely. So um, right now it's an interesting time. Let's talk about students in particular. Um, right now on your website you've got a, uh, a great, uh, sort of a great alert, very, very helpful 
uh, talking about free pickup and 10% off all storage fees for all students. Students are uh, basically being evicted out of their, out yeah. of their schools um, indefinitely. Um, so what is that? What, what, how are you helping? We owe a tremendous amount of our success to the students of Chicago. We launched in Chicago over two years ago. The students really rallied behind our company at UChicago, Loyola, DePaul, Northwestern, Columbia, Roosevelt. And now these students were told just a few days ago, hey, finals are going to be remote and get out of housing by the 20th, the 22nd. And there's no reaction time for them. There's no time to plan and make a strategy. Normally for us, we're spending all of March and April ramping up marketing and outreach and then all of May and part of June to actually do the storage orders. And it came for the whole company, all of our service uh, schools, just crashing in in one week. Interesting. So you've mobilized your teams. We did. We started doing same-day deliveries for supplies. We did free pickup. We stopped all other orders, whether it's consumer storage, business storage, cross-country, local, moving. We stopped all services, all service orders, not even taking calls for those so we can focus on the students right now. Well, that's that's very important, and I'm sure uh, I hope that the uh, student population is uh, appreciative of that because uh, – Nobody planned for this. Uh, you weren't able to plan for this, and your students weren't able to plan for it. Um, but I guess the message overall is to be flexible. Um, be flexible, and you certainly have uh, been accommodating. So um, where is the geographic area that George services? So for the Chicago market, we have three markets right now, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Madison. Chicago's the largest. We opened up to about a 40-mile service radius from downtown Chicago. Milwaukee and Madison both have about 20-mile service radiuses. That's for our home markets, which have no add-on fees for transport or travel. But our company is a nationwide service provider, so we can pick up and deliver anywhere else in the country. Um, there are additional fees for transport with that aspect, but that's our main transport areas um, and our, our service markets right now. What are students telling you? What is the uh, guidance that you might be getting in terms of uh, sort of when, when this will end? The students... They're just pissed. Um, really? You got a lot of students who they just got holed up all winter in the city of Chicago, which is not the most fun thing in the world. And now they're excited. Spring's coming. They're going to be out with their friends, hang out, and they're being told to leave. These are 19, 20, 20-year-olds 20 who are not looking forward to couch surfing with mom and dad while trying to study and having the dog run around. You know, the students have it the toughest in this whole situation. And the students' families have it tough because they're not expecting them to be home. It's, it's really a tough situation for these students, and we can see it in their faces. We can hear it on the phone. We've had students crying to us. Uh, I've been handling a lot of the phone calls with our customer service team. It, it's just heartbreaking for these, these students. Uh, so basically on your website, you should have an additional title beyond just founder, CEO. <laughs> you should also be dad-in-chief. Um, a little bit, yep. I, I like it. I like it. Well, you're, you're certainly accommodating and trying to uh, be flexible with, obviously, pricing, offering that, uh, that free pickup, um, and, uh, and, uh, which is helpful, and, and making yourself fully available to those students. Um, we're going to get into it um, regarding sort of your perspective of uh, sort of the small business uh, struggle uh, in this age of coronavirus, but I uh, would love to uh, just briefly hear sort of your story and how you got started with Dorage. Um, my story is pretty simple. It's a mother of all creation is necessity, right? So I had four storage units for years, and the rents kept going up, and I had one with a water leak. I had one that had an infestation from the neighboring unit, 
And I was just relaxing one day and was thinking about what I'm going to do with all my storage, and it just started creating in my mind. And uh, I thought I was the world's greatest genius, of course. And then I found out other companies are doing it in the space, and that's okay. And we kind of create our own approach to the business model. It is a newer space in the past five or six years. And we rolled out a little over two years ago. And we've had to adjust the model. It's not, you know, we, we had to pivot. Our business plan wasn't always set um, exactly what we thought it would be, but we made a pivot and we adjusted to the consumer demand. Well, and you continue to pivot, obviously, uh, dealing with the current events and the news cycle and pivoting quite well. That's what small business owners do. But small business owners are going to have to learn to be increasingly flexible. And we'll continue that conversation with Sean Sandona, the founder, CEO, and dad-in-chief. At Dorage, we'll be right back and get down to business with the founder of Dorage. So once again, I'm chatting with Sean Sandona, the founder CEO of Dorage, and we were just sort of getting into uh, the current events and news of the day. Obviously, uh, it's going to be really we don't know how long this is going to take. You mentioned it about students that they don't know how long this is going to be and what the current situation is. But for small business owners, it's a very uncertain and volatile time. Um, right now here in Illinois, restaurants and bars are being closed to dine-in. Um, and uh, pretty much everybody is sort of having to be flexible. Schools are shut. How is this affecting a company like yours? And what? Uh, how do you survive uh, a situation like this? So far, we haven't had any real true effect. Um, we've had to make some decisions for we're preparing to launch new markets in about three weeks, six new markets across the country. Um, Monday, we're having a meeting on that and deciding if we're going to go through with that and an acquisition we're in the middle of completing up. Um, so for a growing seen- business, you are looking at, at you, you're looking like every business owner should be looking at a longer term plan, but then suddenly, boom. Right. We hit a brick wall. So we don't know what's going to happen. Um, once we open it up to regular consumers, we'll see. But to be honest, I mean, we're, I'm walking with fear a little bit. And every small business owner should. They should be preparing. They should have already had a long-term plan in place with contingencies for emergencies like this. But how do we all think about a contingency plan for this kind of situation? And I'm curious uh, from the perspective as an employer. Um, so you you employ... Uh, a nice number of people right here. You're a small business owner uh, here in Elk Grove Village, and uh, you've got uh, employees. Employees are family members, likely. They have kids, kids probably that might be home from school. How are you being flexible in with sort of with that mindset? It's tough. We haven't had any situation come up with any family members being home from school affecting any of our team. Um, every person that works for Dorage or any entity that I own, they're my family. I look at them like family, and I'll go down with the ship as long as I know I'm still providing for my family so they can provide for their families. And it's a tough thing to face for every small business. I mean, it's easy for arenas to say and the Hawks to say, we're going to pay all the salaries, but how can a small restaurant or a bar owner or a convention support or a food service company say, we're going to pay everyone for the next four weeks? They can't. I've already heard of four companies that I know closing up and going out of business just last week. Really? And I, I posted on uh, all over social media uh, a short sort of letter or thoughts um, regarding the situation. And yeah, the large companies out there will survive. They have reserves. They're going to they're going to be OK. It's the smaller businesses, the smaller 
restaurants um, that are going to struggle. And uh, that's why at times like this, this is the time that we have to come together and support what I would call a convenience store. And a convenience store, not in the traditional sense. If you want those businesses to be around at times like this, you've got to support them. You've got to make sure that you're working with local small business owners. So have you been talking with colleagues in the in the business world and what are what what are they telling you um they're telling us they don't know what to do i mean every other ceo or president of a small company that i've talked to in the past week they're kind of walking blind i mean we put an action plan in place we've already started reducing overhead we stopped some acquisition even asset acquisition and capex right away when this started but for the other companies they were a little bit more established we're a startup they were around 10 years They've already got the capex. They've already made the expenditures. They have to take care of their teams and their families. To be honest, a lot of them don't know what to do, and they're, they're scared. Yeah, well, in a normal week, we'd be having a conversation. I'd be asking you this question, and I'm sure it would be a very different answer. What is the uh, what is the five year plan for Dorage uh, growth and <laughs> and so on? This is a strange week to ask that question, but do your best. So, I mean, our five year plan it, from inception, our company was about scale and growing to new markets, rapid growth model. Um, we have six new cities ready to come online, which would put us to a total of nine cities, trying to launch the Southwest by the end of the year, which would put us up to around 11 to 12 cities, long-term growing to 50 corporate-owned markets. We were just starting our franchise that we were looking into for possibly next year, offering franchise opportunities. Now we have to reevaluate, and we'll see how this shakes out. Every week, every day is going to be a different plan. Sure, but you're always looking for good people, so let's talk about that. Definitely. So currently, um, we have the need for field employees, whether it's a mover packer or a cross-country driver or a cross-country mover, um, and they can apply at apply at com. They can also find our ads are on Indeed right now for those positions and submit an application and join part of a great team that's scaling up. As you said, a great family as well, um, which is really important. So uh, there are indeed jobs that are available. And in these uncertain times, uh, you know, check out the website, apply at Dorage.com. Um, and uh, Dorage, um, you guys are doing some good work helping students in these very uncertain times. Uh, small business based right here. Uh, Sean, you've got an impressive story uh, for growth. Um, how can people learn more about the company and learn more about you? Sure. They can do it. go to Dorage.com. That's uh, Dorage, D-O-O-R-A-G-E. And uh, just Google the company. You'll find out about me. Who knows what you might find on me on Google. <laughs> well, you know, shop local. That's the big message over here. Shop local, Definitely. support small businesses, and support companies like, uh, like Dorage. And I'm confident that in just a couple of weeks from now, we will be having a very different conversation. I'd love to have you back on. We'll talk about growth because uh, I have a feeling you'll be hearing more about Sean Sandona um, from Dorage and the growth around the country of a fantastic company. We love to profile entrepreneurs like you on this very program. So coming up after the break, we'll be chatting a little bit about working from home and how to be productive. Um, As always, I like to end the program with tips, advice, information about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And indeed, you can be productive while working from home. Some of you might be forced to work from home. Some of you might actually prefer working from home. Um, but regardless, there are uh, there are things that you could be doing to uh, to excel in that area. Um, we've also got a lot of tips, advice, and information that I'll be posting on my website at shalomkline.com, where you can download podcasts and get a sneak peek of what we'll be on next week on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship from our friends at Tandem HR. Uh, payroll Advice HR Solutions, tandemhr.com. Give them a call, 630-928-0510. But again, tips on working from home coming up on Get Down to Business in just a moment. 
Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business. So as I mentioned just before the break, uh, many of you listening to this program are uh, called being forced to work from home. Some of you actually do work from home. It is tough. The most important thing that I think you need to do is define your workspace. This is vital initially because many of many of your houses are busy and uh, you know space might be tight. So sometimes it's common that you'll set up work sort of in various spaces. Uh, you'll move from the dining room to the living room, leaving papers and other bits scattered around. Doesn't work very well because then you can't find the actual documents that you need, um, and it's tough sometimes to. want to be social, especially if you might have a spouse that's also working from home. Um, But if you actually need to be productive and you actually need to have a productive phone call, uh, you need to define your space and dedicate a room in your house as an office. Um, That would be ideal. Um, And define the day. Um, This obviously is was much easier to accomplish in the days of pens, papers, and typewriters, but it's essential to your health, to your family, to your friends. They put boundaries around your workday. Do you start at 8 a.m. and end at 4 p.m.? Do you, or do you work until 2 p.m. and then again in the evening? You could set hours um, that you work in an office, but you need them at home as well. You may want to experiment with this a bit to discover what's going to work best with your home's daily rhythm, but fully embrace the discipline of creating a schedule of when you will start and stop your workday. Not doing so may breed resentment that you are spending all your day working or guilt that you're not putting in the necessary hours. If you, if your office is in a shared space, such as a dining room table, pack it up and put it away at the end of the day and define your focus. Um, this is really important. It's incredibly easy to allow household chores to seep into your workday. Avoid this at all costs. While it's fine to enjoy lunch and wash up the dishes, which you likely did at the office as well, right? Or take a 30-minute break and walk the dog. You will kill your productivity by putting in loads of laundry, simmering soup in the stove, or uh, deciding to uh, quickly vacuum a room. These tasks simply lead to other domestic tasks, and the beeping sound from the washer or dryer will completely disrupt your concentration while writing a proposal or participating in a video call when at work work period and define your headspace this is perhaps the greatest challenge of it all to wake up every morning in your home stay at home for the rest of the day and get your home uh getting your head back to work people who successfully work from home have a trick that they use and that's to find one that works for you don't be afraid to experiment for for me it's simply about walking into my defined space each day as soon as i do it's work. I have a great home office and it really works for me. I have a routine that when I decide to work from home, whether it's on a weekend or whether it's on, on days like this week when we're being forced to because of uh, the coronavirus, um, it's important to have, uh, again, uh, to recap, you define your workspace, define your day, define your focus and define your headspace. Um, our friends at Tandem HR are, are, uh, are great uh, experts on the topic of uh, uh on on the subject of uh the covid-19 um and providing resources and as, as employers um to provide um the information that you might need to be an employer that offers telecommuting um to that might uh adjust the typical schedule um businesses that don't have the policies and procedures in place um, can put policies and procedures in place at times like this. Obviously, as a business owner, you want to be proactive. You want to have things set up in advance, but sometimes life gets in the way. And as small business owners, don't we all know that, um, that sometimes you just need to sort of work on the fly. And so uh, there's a wealth of free information on their website, tandemhr.com. You should indeed check it out and share it with friends and colleagues. Share all of the resources of Get Down to Business with your friends and colleagues. We'll be with you through this situation, uh, providing more tips, advice, information. You can always contact me through the website. 
uh, to let me know what's sort of on your mind. If there's something that you're dealing with, chances are many, many other business owners are dealing with it as well. We'd love to know what you think and uh, perhaps can find the resources to uh, to highlight and spotlight on the show. But uh, throughout the throughout the show today, we highlighted the current events. We had um, we had uh, John uh, Futterlicht, um who talked to us a little bit about the Matrix organization. Um, we had uh, Kim Dubiclay, um on the program. Uh, and obviously, it's an election this week. Make sure you vote. And finally, we ended with Sean Sandona from Dorage, a local business owner providing his perspective on how small business owners and entrepreneurs are dealing with the coronavirus and providing resources at the same time. To success, let's get down to business. Have a happy and healthy week. We'll talk to you next Sunday right here at 6 p.m.